Hey guys, and welcome to Personality Bingo with me, your host, Tom Moran. So this week on the podcast, we have Paul Ryder. Paul is an actor, a dancer, a choreographer. He's probably best known for his work in the drag circuit of Ireland. He's known as RuPaul Ryder. I've seen him do his thing. It's amazing. Paul is a very special drag queen in the sense what Paul does, a lot of drag queens you'll see lip sync and they do it amazingly and that is the skill in and of itself and a skill that Paul possesses. But what I love about Paul's act is it's the production values are so high. He has this amazing voice. He has these amazing dancers. He has these amazing costumes. He's kind of got this beautiful androgynous look as a drag uh, queen and it's not a world that I know much about. So it was so fun to see him do it and to... Um, kind of just be brought into that world a little bit because as you're here in the episode Paul is the choreographer and artistic director um, of the uh, panto that I've been working on um, that we're actually closing the day that you're listening to this episode um, if you're listening on the Sunday uh, so that is Sleeping Beauty uh, and that's Anthem Productions and Paul is the artistic um, director there which is very 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 cool uh, and he does great work there and uh, yeah as you're going to hear in this episode he does an awful lot of things and um, I, I'm actually trying to encourage him to do more things because I think uh, he would have a lot to bring to like the podcasting world because he's just such a fascinating guy this is possibly my favourite ever episode of Personality Bingo guys um, in other news I have just finished uh, a run uh, of the panto as I said we're closing that literally today uh, on the day this is released uh, and in other news um, there actually is other news uh, can't say it just yet but there is uh, lots of theatre news actually on my part um, I suppose I can say that I have made a play I've written a play I've been working on it for uh, a long time um, and it's uh, close to kind of coming to the Irish stage again I think it's fair to say that in the coming months um, that will be a thing and I'll be sure to let you all know because it's something that I'm working on very hard uh, and I'm uh, very hopeful that I'll be proud of it um, when the day comes for that to be shown to all you wonderful people and uh, yeah just to keep you in the loop about what's going on there's other some other kind of stuff uh, going on in the background about some uh, other work and I will be sure to let everyone know probably no one cares um, anyway uh, guys other than that, um, we have a very special episode coming up next week. I say it's special because it's episode number 50. Um, it's just one of them things. It's just a number that sounds good. It's a landmark number. And what we've done is I have done the episode. Uh, I literally have just finished recording it as you're listening to this intro. Um, and we go deep. Um, our wonderful producer, Taz Keller, uh, interviews me. I play personality bingo. Uh, and it's great fun, I think. Uh, I, as I have a great admiration for anyone who does this podcast because they don't know what I'm going to ask them. It's completely random. Um, and I was on the other side that which was really useful and really wonderful and uh, I'd really like you to have a listen to that one too so uh, as I said I think we are coming up to 50 really beautifully because Maddie's episode was stunning last week Paul's episode's amazing this week and um, my episode will probably be a big letdown but uh, you know what um, come and check it out just for the crack uh, guys please do enjoy Paul Ryder playing Personality Bingo with Tom Moore. Pat Roddy, do you play personality bingo? Yes, I am. I said it so fast. Uh, okay, so I'll give you a quick explainer of how it all works. So I've got 60 balls in here. I'm going to put 60 minutes on the clock, and I've got 60 corresponding questions. I've also given you five numbers. Would you do me a favour and read out those five numbers that I've given you? So you've given me 2, 23, 46, 17, and 51. Sweet. And would you do me a favour and pick a sixth number, anything that's not there between 1 and 60? Okay. I'm going to pick, can I say what I'm going to pick? Yeah, please. I'm going to pick 29, which is the, my date of birth. 
29. So you're, what what month are you born? I'm a Gemini. I'm a two-faced little shit. Do you believe in all that stuff? I believe in that because of my career. Yeah. There's two very separate sides to me and to the normal me and to the drag me and all that sort of stuff. So I take it from that. I don't try and call myself two-faced because that's kind of weird. Yeah. But I do say that with the drag side and me, normal side, yeah. that's my two, That's my Gemini. Yeah. That's my Gemini. All right, nice. But I think that comes in down to, uh, it's so deep, like anxiety and your different sides of life and your different personas and different da, da, da. So that's why I just think I'm, I've, I'll, I am a Gemini and I knew I was always a Gemini. Do you know yeah. sort of way? Because I always fell into that category. But do you, like, you wouldn't, like, if you're, like, you know, say, you're going, like, a couple of dates with someone you like them, you wouldn't be like, oh, well, you're a Taurus, I'm a Gemini, something won't work. Do you go with that stuff? No. I don't really know anything else about, like, if somebody says to me, oh, you're a Taurus, in my head, I go, oh, you're horny. That's, like, that's <laughs> literally, like, or if, like, I'm a Scorpio, I'm like, oh, you're a catty bitch, are you? Like, I don't think about it in the way of, like, in the way of, like, oh, well, our signs don't match, so unfortunately, I'm going to have to leave this date. No, that would never, ever come into my brain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, great. Well, look, um, so if all your numbers do come out and you tick them all off, that means that the tables are turned and you get to ask me any question. Oh, my pray to God, I've never won a game of bingo, but this is the one time I would like to <laughs> to win this game. Oh my God. Do you know it's really funny actually? Because we're going to bingo on. We'll, we'll have already gone by the time this comes yeah. out, but that was the I went around this time last year, and that's how I got the idea for this podcast. No way! I've never been to bingo. I was like, this is great crack. Is there a way I can combine this with a thing? With a thing, yeah. Shirley Temple Bar's bingo is 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 institutional at the stage like it's going for like 10-15 years longer I'm probably probably longer and like so many of my straight friends will come along and go God, what are we going to play bingo for or why are we going to play bingo then they'll go and be like that was the best night I've ever had in my life so like that you had the exact same the exact same feeling about it it's something that you go and you just get ideas and things are flowing it was so fun yeah. it was great so um, so that's how we do it so we give it a spin yeah alright Alright, first one out the gate. We have number 25. Do you have it? I don't. No worries. Number 25. Yeah, uh, tell us about something that people can... Tell us something about yourself that people consider surprising when they learn it. Oh. Um, I think that I'm... I think people meet me and they... Or they meet either the persona or they meet me. And they always think, oh God, he's so confident and so cocky and da 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 And has this other side of life. When realistically, I'm kind of riddled with with unconfidence or what's the word unselfconfidence disease disease with like less confidence <laughs> and have absolute like I would suffer from social anxiety in certain issues and I think people always if you're a performer or if you work in this sort of industry people always just think oh god they have the life and they do this and they do that when realistically it's not like that at all I'm sure you're kind of the same whereas mm. you're on stage you're playing a character then you get to leave stage and I just shut I shut down as a person especially when it comes to like a gig if I'm in a gay bar or something and I'm performing oh yeah I'll have all the chats and I'll flirt with every single guy in the room but the moment the face comes off and the heels come off and everything stops I shut down completely and if people try and compliment me I'm the I think that's a real Irish thing to compliment an Irish person is like oh you look great no sure I was run over by a horse yesterday we always do it and I would kind of be the exact same yeah I just would ha wouldn't have that confidence to be to kind of let that happen or to let somebody in in that conversation kind of after a gig or after a night or something like that. Yeah, it's a very, like, it's a very, um, that's something like I would like try to work on is actually like just being like, thank you. It's so, and it's so hard to do it. It's so hard to do it in a nice way that doesn't make you seem A, like a dickhead or B, like you're actually just accepting that compliment because you feel like it's true. Because you can say, oh, thanks very much. And you kind of put your head down, you nod and you're like, and people kind of think, oh, 
does he know it already? Does he think it already? When realistically, you actually haven't a clue. You, you're just like, thanks, and you're hoping to God the conversation stops. My whole body tenses. When someone gives me a compliment about something, yeah. my whole body just tenses. And I'm like, oh, thanks very much. Oh, no, stop. Run away. Run yeah. away. Because you just can't, you just can't accept it. And I don't know why. You're dead right, though. It is something that I'd love to be able to work on. And I have, like you, like you said, I have worked on to be able to say, thanks very much. I really appreciate that. And then be able to move on from it. Or I'll try and like, and how are you? How's your night? You yeah. know, tell me something else. Because as much as you're, you're happy with the compliment, sometimes you're like, oh God, I can't take any more. I, I just can't take any more. But like, it's that thing of, because at the same time, there's two parts to it. I've talked about this a lot. Like I literally like talked to my therapist about it. I was like, here, I like I can't take a compliment. And I was like, but at the same time, I need, I feel like there's another part of me that needs it. So yeah. it's like, I want that perfect balance. It's actually, I don't think it exists. I want that perfect balance of the person of a person to say like that was really great and then like so I want to like receive it on like some level but not let it sit with me do you know what I mean I push it straight back completely and that's that's why I think where the, the body tenses is because I want to say thank you and I'm building up and tensing up and tensing up but by me then getting away from that person and just going like having a good breath that's me letting that back out into the world the last year has been and without getting too deep and too kind of into it the last year for me has been such a turning point of shutting out negativity accepting the compliments letting in all positivity and just letting that back out into the world because if you say it out loud it's going back out there and it'll come back to you tenfold mm. I've been such a believer in the last kind of year and a half that if you give out good it absolutely will come back to you it 100% will come back to you and I think that kind of accepting those compliments and taking them in and, and like you say throwing them back out again is exactly what we need to be doing as a society because I've found it's made my life 100 times better in the last in the last year so if everyone kind of follows suit you know you're, you're making it a little bit better that's very Oprah and very like you know good for me sort mm. of conversation but I do feel like it's I feel like it's a conversation that no one's talking about because everyone's too afraid to talk about it yeah and it's even like what you said about your therapist that's so strange to hear yeah because so many people won't talk about the fact that oh, I'm going to see a counsellor. Oh, I'm going to see somebody. Because Irish society is, if you open up about it, you're actually showing yourself to be weak. Mm -hmm. When that's not the case at all. When I started to see a counsellor, a grief counsellor, for when my father passed, I would say to people, and my friends were like, well done, it's, you know, it's been two years, you needed to talk about it. But then I said like, the word counsellor to some people, and they were like, oh, oh, oh. And that made me shut down. And I was, I took such a brave step to go to see that person in my life because I was too busy looking after like my mom and my sister and I wouldn't have that conversation so when I did open up about it some people were yes about it and then some people just kind of shut down a little bit and I was like oh let's not let's be careful who you talk to about that because I don't want to look like I'm showing weakness mm -hmm. which is the total wrong attitude to have yeah completely we shouldn't be we shouldn't be afraid to talk about that there's two parts that I want to talk about so like was the, going back to the first of all the positivity thing and you were saying like putting it out into the world mm. right because yeah like you're right like it does like sound Oprah but like I, I was seeing with this recently and I was think I was actually thinking about you know controversial and all as he may be and whatever you think of him like it's such a fucking basic bitch example but Conor McGregor yeah. as someone you know when he got like started to have a success he was like yeah but like I visualised it I knew what it would look all this stuff what does it look like for you when you're putting it out into the world because that's one thing that I because I, I, I have that duality where I'm like, yeah, all right, on one hand, yes, it does sound very Oprah. And you're kind of like, yeah, like that's grand for like the people that it, it's grand for fine. But at the same time, I'm also like, I, I believe it. Like, mm. so it's, but it's like trying to find like the appropriate place to do it. So does that look like, you know, in conversations with friends and they're like, you, you're talking about, well, like, this is what I really want to do. Or does it look like standing in the mirror and like talking to yourself? Does it look like visualize it in your head before you go to sleep? What does it actually 
I think I think you I think you extend that to the world in whatever way you want to extend it to. I get stick from some of my friends for posting quotes on social media. Right. And then I see posts on social media taking the piss out of people who do post posts. But there's been so many times that I will have put up a status or put up something on my Instagram, on my Twitter, on whatever. And the amount of messages that you'll get back, that I'll get back, could be two or three, could be five or six, of people just going, oh my God, you're so right. Absolutely, that's what we need to do this year. And that's me then hitting that message home to two or three people and then following it on. I don't think it's about standing in front of the mirror and being like, I am God and I'm going to make this happen for me. I think it's just about, it's say please, say thank you, get in and get out is a big, big, massive phrase that I've always had in my career and it's always what I tell people to be nice, be positive, get in and leave people with a really good example of what you want them to think of you. Mm. Because so many times your people's opinions can change of you because of one little thing you might have said and one little thing you might have done. So I think if you can leave them with a good positive example, they're then passing that on to other people. I know it sounds so finicky and even as I'm saying it now, I'm like, oh God, you sound so preachy. But it's something that has changed the way I, f- the way I deal with people mm-hmm. in the last six months. Since I became single, I've been very... Okay, treat people with disrespect. Treat people with, you know, just be nicer. Just mm. be nicer and it will help you so far in life. Yeah. and uh, But I mean, uh, the reason I don't think it is preachy is because if you're backing it up then with, to go back to that, something like then, you know, as you said, a very like brave thing like to, first of all, go to a grief counsellor. Yeah, absolutely. If, especially if that's not something that like has been in your like wheelhouse. But then especially to like, you know, say it to other people. Because mm. as you said, that's real challenging for people. And like, but it, in a really like, I think, but as you said, it's it's really extending like a, a real lovely vulnerability when you can say it. Because you're right, it's not something like, even you said it's weird when you say that. It is weird. And it's weird for me. To, you know, when you say something that's like vulnerable, and you're like, this isn't the way we always talk. So when you say it, you, you know, like, this is a bit of an odd thing to say. But at the same time, you, you know that if you say it out loud, there's someone else who was thinking it in their head who automatically now feels so much less alone. Because they're thinking about it. They're thinking about it slightly. They don't want to talk about it. They hear somebody else talk about it. That's their open call to go, fuck it, if he's going to talk about it, why can't we? Why can't I? Why can't I have that conversation? And that's then opening up another book for somebody else to read. Mm. Do you know that sort of way? Yep. So that's that's where I'm at with that. Yeah, sweet. <laughs> All right, this has got to be good. <laughs> I told you this would be great. All right, here we go. Number, uh, what number is this? Number 31, do you have it? No, God damn it. All right, number 31. Question is, uh, what's your least favourite word? Oh my God. Can I, can, I can say bold words, can I? I just assume you're going to say vagina. No, I'm going to say minge. <laughs> like, no. like, But every, every, every option of the word vagina, minge, gee, like it all makes <laughs> my testicles crawl back up into my body, sit in my throat and go, I'm not leaving until you show me a picture of a penis. Like I really just cannot cope. And it's like, it's like when people say the word like clunge or like, Gange I literally just want to get sick In my mouth And then spit it in their face It is disgusting I hate it Don't get me wrong I can appreciate a nice vagina I can't believe I'm having this conversation I can appreciate a nice vagina But not Let's not Let's not use those words And like You know Squirt And no The problem with every word That like describes vagina Is it sounds like Exactly. It sounds like bludge. It sounds like I'm punching a lasagna, right? (laughs) 
And that to me, it like if you use the word, if you if you think of penis, penis straight down the line, cock straight down the line, knob straight down the line, all very like determined. I feel like they're twelve-story buildings with enforced steel windows. Whereas then I think of a vagina and I think of a dump. Like I think <laughs> of like I think of like, and I'm not saying that because I don't want to be. I'm not going to get in trouble with like women and all that. It's just the words. It's not the thing. It's a beautiful flower that you know all that sort of shit. But it's the words like clunge and minge and gunge and flunge and I'm just like no stop it and it's straight men who use it yeah I would never ever turn to a woman and be like oh is your ganja alright but then like I am I go to my barbers full of straight men and they're like oh yeah the, the, the minge and I'm like that like I'm physically going to be sick in my mouth yeah. please stop using that word but it's so funny because like if I like I cannot think of a more I, I can't think of one thing less that I'd like to touch than the penis. <laughs> I didn't think you were going to go there with that. <laughs> I really can't though. Like to me. But you have a penis. I know. And mine is absolutely fine for, 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 for me. Touch. I don't mind touching my own penis. Okay. But in the same way, I'll touch my own eyeball. Do you know what I mean? I hope not after you've touched your <laughs> <a> penis. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wash your hands, Tom. Wash your hands. <laughs> that don't ever work. <laughs> um, but is that not what the Japs say? What? <laughs> um, sorry, I thought that was a good joke, but absolutely no, not. No, so, you're so straight, it's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> but like, do you know what I mean? So it is so funny. Like, I, I, and like, I mean this for women as well. Like, I, I just don't get like how you'd ever like enjoy, like enjoy to, like for example, when someone says like send a dick pic, I'm like, yeah. but, but I, uh, by the same token, I would also not like to see for a picture of a, of a, a vagina. We had this conversation. We only had this conversation a couple of days ago, yeah. me and you, and we had said how you said you have never sent a dick pic, never even taken one. Like that to me is an alien concept. Like I've hired photographers, I've hired stylists, I've hired a studio to take pictures of my penis. Like that to me is just an alien concept because, well, I suppose that's a very different thing in a gay world and. Because I know women are a lot less like they're like no, you'll you'll see it when you see it. Yeah. When you've paid your annual fee and you're allowed in for the yearly membership, then you'll pay, then you'll be able to see it. Mm. Whereas guys are so like, most of the time on on social media apps and the dating apps and stuff like that, they lead with dick pic question mark, and that to me is like a no go area. I'm like no no, at least show me something or at least tell me, at least talk to me, at least have a conversation with me before we start going into that. So I think that's the difference between gay land, straight land, and and the bit in the middle. Mm. But yeah, no. Yeah. Did you have you actually hired a photographer? No, I haven't. You absolute tool bag. <laughs> you you. Because I was like, he's not laughing. He physically thinks that I have actually hired a studio and a photographer and stylist to take a picture of my penis. Paul, like you talk about dick pics all the time. <laughs> Don't wrap me out. I don't talk about dick pics all the time. No, you don't really. But like, I, I have, I was taken aback by like how big a part of like dating apps and stuff they were. One hundred percent. Like there is, you know, you will, and it's not just dick pics. Like if you're chatting to somebody and you get into that, you get into that conversation, it does turn into like dick pic, arse, body, then face. Have you a chest pic? Have you a picture of your toes? Have you a picture of your legs? So you really do have to have a full variety of 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 pictures if you wanted to entice. Say that the most beautiful man was talking to you on a, on a date nap and you wanted to entice them. You do have to have all of that. Now, half the time, like that's 1% of the time. I would never send all of that to people. You'd kind of wait until you had a really good conversation until it moved somewhere else and you were getting into that. that I'm not saying like they chat me up straight away and I'm sending them on. Yeah. 
you do have to kind of get into that motion. But I think it is all part of gay culture. And again, people don't talk about it. And when people listen to this, they'll, they'll think, oh yeah, he's a slut, he's this and this, which I've dealt with as a as a stereotype for years because of my career. People yeah. always think, oh, the drag queen, oh yeah, slut. Sleeps with everyone in every different city and da, da da da. But this is a conversation that everyone has with their friends, but they just won't have out loud. Yeah. Do you do you think it's because that like in a gay relationship with men, both guys have a dick that it doesn't like it's not it like it's just it's like it's like I remember like growing up never even like and I'm talking like being a teenager and you just didn't and even like when you started having sex like no one really talked about like what they were what it was actually like mm. having sex for example and uh, and then like when I got you know into my 20s then like I remember the first time one of my mates I can't remember like some either something like along the lines of oh, I couldn't get it up and I was like what he's he's like he's he's even just saying saying that was like such a an an alien thing where we were like acknowledging that oh like everyone has like uh issues in their sex that even here like because when you're younger, everyone's like, oh, yeah, I made her squirt in, like, four seconds. Oh, God. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> he just did exactly what I said not to do. He said squirt. Out of her vagina. <laughs> 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 but but you know what I mean? And it was so interesting to hear for the first time, like, someone express, like, the intricacies of sex. That, like, oh, one of my friends wasn't good at sex all the time, whereas before, you know, it was that, like, bravado thing. Yeah. Whereas, like, in a in a gay... Um, I don't know, is this a good parallel? Or I don't know where I'm going with this. But, like, in a gay relationship, like... Both guys have a dick, like so. Both guys kind of know what a dick's gonna look like. I think the man is a horny creature. <laughs> so that and has that's to be the name of your first book. <laughs> the man is a horny creature by Paul Ryder. No, the, the first single. Um, I and I, so I think that when you combine two men together, I think that's where that's what you mean is that when you combine the two horny sides of life together, they're going to. That's what's going to happen. You're going to just you know. It's just going to be a big ball of sexual mess. But like you say, I don't think people talk enough about sex. And I would be very open. I'm very open about sex. I'm very open about sexual health because it's something that I think is very important that nobody's talking about and nobody spoke to me. I remember being in in secondary school and they wouldn't give us sexual health ed. Mm. And myself and friends of mine actually had to fight with the school to get it and like at one stage they were talking about expelling us because we we were being so adamant about it and eventually they gave us sexual health ed but I was already kind of focused on my gay sex life in that head now I was still in school so you wasn't doing anything but you're 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 thinking about it but that never came about but so there's so many kids teens these days who are openly gay or are openly lesbian or you know transgender bi whatever and they need to have a, a discussion as well because you know, STIs and HIV is such on the rise and it's on the rise under younger people. The age, apparently the age is between like 20 to 26 because they think they're invincible because they think, oh, I'm only this age, that can't happen to me because nobody's having that conversation with them to say, by the way, you have to wear a condom. It doesn't matter if that he says he's clean. It doesn't matter if he says he's, he's whatever. You have to be safe because if you're not, you're going to end up in trouble. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think open the conversation more and the figures will lower and you know we will kind of see a change and stuff like that and especially with sexual health and and just different people's sexuality to kind of just calm it down a bit and to know exactly what you're getting into before you get into it Mm -hmm. it's so funny because it kind of nearly goes back to the same thing of like as like as humans yeah as you're saying like we want to we want to we like we just want to like be you only want to be like partly human because like the, the human thing about being human is like yeah you have sex with someone and then you could get a disease or like yeah you have sex with someone and then it could go like 
badly and like it's not it's not good but we don't want to acknowledge we only want to acknowledge like like let's be honest like how often is it that you have sex with someone and it's going to be like it's the, uh, the first time you have sex and you're going to have like really really like 100% like good sex almost never do you know what I mean I, I think that everyone has this image of what happens in movies and everyone wants that image and let's be honest nine times out of ten that doesn't that doesn't happen like that it's a fumbling mess where you're worried and you're anxious and you're nervous until you get to know somebody and you can kind of relax and chill out you know that sort of way yeah I think that that's it the, the, the social media and the, the TV and film and porn side of things just make you think oh that's what I'm going to have for the rest of my life and it's like oh no you're not you're yeah. really really not you're going to be a fumbling mess and things are going to happen crap you had the funniest story we don't need to go into but like I know I'm going to tell you so you know what I'm talking about the Fifty Shades of Grey story <laughs> I can't talk about that on that, this. Though. That's fine, but that is the funniest. That is the perfect articulation of what we're talking about. One hundred percent. Like uh, uh, all we, all like all we could. Oh no, you don't talk about it at no. all. I don't want to put you in any weird position. No, I just wanted to say that I, I know we both know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so many people when this goes out are going to text me going the Fifty Shades of Grey story, <laughs> and I hope that the person we're talking about doesn't text me being like, "Is that me?" <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's such, but it's so funny. I, Oh, I I remember like I remember um seeing a girl and we're kind of at the start of seeing each other and um and she was like we should play some music and I it's not something I like do that often I was like all right and I just didn't know I don't really listen to like sexy music at all yeah. I like fucking Glenn Hansard do you know what I mean <laughs> so like Glenn Hansard sexy that's sexy well I mean yeah but yeah okay but like and then she was like so what do you want to like put on she's like. Fifty Shades of Grey soundtrack. Oh my god! So we've both had that similar situation. To, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Grand. So See, moral of the story here is: if you want to get your bit, put on Fifty Shades of Grey. I mean, that's what we're saying. That's exactly what we're saying. All right. <laughs> here we go. Number eight. Do I am have... really not winning this game of bingo. All right. Look, don't worry about it. Do you have any irrational fears? Irrational fears, like as in. Give me an example. Like, what are you irrationally afraid of? Well, it's a good question because, like, uh, well, the first thing that comes to my head is rats. But, like, rats are very rational in another way. Do you know what I mean? Like, a rat could, like... I, I, I've heard this story. I don't know if this is true. Someone can confirm this to me, a listener, or whatever. You might be able to. That if you, like, corner a rat, even accidentally, just say there's a rat in your shed, you mm. don't know. You're going in to, like, uh, like take out the lawnmower or something, right? And a, a, and a rat is there. If they see you, their instinct is to jump for the neck. They like jump to bite your neck. That's what I've heard, and I'm terrified of rats. Well, I kept rats as a kid. What? No, like I didn't go out. To the, I didn't go out to the lawnmower and be like, "Here, twiddles, let's go be friends." Like I wasn't that kid. Um, but we, my sister, randomly one day was like, "I really want to get a rat," and of course my mother and father were like, "You're sick. Go home. Go to bed." <laughs> um, but eventually she talked us into it, and we were all on board. So she came home one day with this rat which we named Rizzo. And I tell you, that rat was more, what's the word, like a, not empath, not, what, like, is it? Intelligent? Nice, nice and caring and yeah. loving and da da Was so, like, soft and gentle and nice and would sit in your shoulder, would fall asleep on your shoulder, would play with you if you wanted to play with it. And it was probably the best pet, bar the dogs I have now, it was the best pet I ever had. And I'd had hamsters, I'd had fish, I'd had everything. But the rats were so friendly, so gentle, so nice. Now, okay, we did have one or two then, because obviously we we had Rizzo, who was so nice. Rizzo died, whole family devastated, said, okay, instead of mourning this, let's go out and get another one. So we got Gonzo. Rizzo Gonzo, the Muppets. Got Gonzo. Gonzo was um, a spawn of devil's Satan sperm. 
and was an absolute little bastard who I'm convinced was like getting up in the middle of the night and trying to stab me over my bed like 100% bastard yeah but so we had to get rid of Gonzo. We ended up having to bring Gonzo to an exorcist and, you know, get rid of him. But then we got another one and again was so sweet and so nice. So I get the fear, but they're actually not that bad. Now, I'm talking about the nice little trained rats who were in pet stores. Yeah. You know, the little... You're talking about ratatouille. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But they're the same things. Whereas I'm talking about... Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, but they're the same things. They're just... It's like... One's I can't I was gonna say names of places but I can't yeah. it's like one's from one side of Dublin and one's from another side of Dublin and yeah. it just depends kind of where they land but they are nice but that's what that's what you mean by irrational fear yeah I mean like I guess an irrational fear yeah like it pigeons pigeons that's it yeah oh my god my friends will be texting me going it's a pigeon I have th- there's pigeons in Dublin who follow me and my friend Ross will confirm this we were in Houston Station once. And a pigeon, because I was slagging them. I see them and I'm going, oh, you little, you little shit, get away from me, you little knacker. And a pigeon, I was in the middle, two friends either side, and a pigeon came flying, like, at me, directly at me. And I could see him. I could, he, in his eyes, he was like, I'm get you, bitch. And he literally came right for me. So much so, I had to dive to the floor because he was going to get me. And my two friends were like, they hate you. They, like pigeons, especially the ones at Houston Station, hate me. If I see one, I will go, oh, I got tense up and I won't be able to move because I'll be afraid it's going to get me. And it's not, it's, I think it's going to get me mentally rather than physically. Like, I'm afraid it's going to like look into my soul and be like, you are going to die tomorrow. <laughs> That's the sort of irrational fear that I'm like that I have with them. Yeah. They are awful. And one time I was in London uh, and it was actually just after my dad had died and I went to visit... Uh, friend of mine Brian Brian Dowling of, Cele- of Big Brother you might know him yeah. um, went to visit him and he because he was very good with me when my, my father passed he'd, he'd mind me and he'd take me out and get me really good and drunk and we'd have a laugh so it was out with him one day and we were having a really invested chat like I'm talking about like my 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 grief and how I'm suffering so badly la 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 and we were just walking with coffee and next of all he just stopped and went by the way babe bye slammed his foot on the floor he'd walked us into a whole nest of pigeons in the middle of Clapham and I mean that they just uptook into the air so much so that I fucked my coffee away into the air as he ran off laughing I sat on the floor in the middle of Clapham and I cried for 16 minutes because I was full on be like yeah I just miss my dad so much and it's just such a tough time right now and he went by the way babe bye slam gone pigeons everywhere I shit myself now I look back at it now and I think that was the funniest thing that probably could have happened yeah. but yeah they're bastards they're mm. all bastards and they're all out to get me I heard pigeons killed your dad they did <laughs> pigeons killed my dad <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask you, right? Do you know I haven't lost anyone like uh, I, I like the close person I've lost to me is like a grandparent. So I haven't. I don't know anything like what it's like mm. to lose someone that close. We're talking about like Brian and like him minding it, and I don't know Brian at all. But like that in that moment of like, okay, as you said, you're like you know spilling your soul and all that. Uh, I had an incident recently with a friend, right, who who'd lost someone, and I'm really, really close to this mm. person. And I like like what I said, like pigeons killed your dad. Mm. I think that's funny, and I think it's important to laugh. And I knew my friend would think it's funny. And I, you know, uh, what ha- the context was, I made a joke on a group WhatsApp, yeah. so not everyone thought it was funny, right? Yeah. In your moment, and I know everyone is different, so I'm trying to like you know respect that I'm giving one side of this story. But like in those moments of like you know solemnity, like after someone's died, mm-hmm. like did you find it was so important? Did were the people like Brian making you laugh in that moment in like you know a kind of like Im- inappropriate, traumatizing way? But like, h- was that helpful? 
Oh, completely. That's and I get in so much trouble. My friends give out to me so much because I make a joke of it. I take the piss out of myself. I take the piss out of my dad. I take the piss out of the situation that I was in. And I still do it to this day. And that's five, six years on. Because my dad was the sort of person who would do the exact same thing. Mm. I don't do it with my mom and my sister. I sometimes would do it with my sister. But my mom is... My mom is it was our partner. I, I would take the piss in certain ways. But with my friends, I will use it and make a complete joke of it. Like they'll give out to me or something and, da, 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 and I'll go, how dare you? My dad's dead. <laughs> and I think, that, and they'll go, Paul, you can't say. And I go, yes, I can. It was my father. It was my situation. He is up in heaven or in hell, wherever, pissing himself laughing at the fact that I've just taken the piss out of it. Yeah. So you have to laugh because I've spent enough time crying. I've spent enough time mourning him and mourning the situation we have to laugh if you don't laugh you're gonna you're just gonna you've no you've no sense of humour you won't get past it you'll always be stuck in the one place Mm. so but I do get some people don't find those jokes funny and they do find them offensive I don't make all the jokes in the world because I just think it's gas Do, do you believe in like heaven and hell no I believe I believe in like a bar I believe in like we go to a bar and we sit at that bar for the rest of our days in afterlife and just watch the telly of what's going on for the for around the world. Yeah. I don't believe in heaven and hell. I, I believe people are good, people are bad, but we're all in the one bar. We're all in different sections of the bar, mm. but we're all just in the one place. That's nice. Yeah. That's a good one. It's better than, I don't, I'm, I have enough to worry about whether I'm going to hell or going to heaven and Jesus, pearly yeah. gates and all that. I'm a gay, so I'm going to heaven, I'm going to hell anyway. <laughs> oh, oh, your shit. balls came flying at me, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> number 24 24 his balls came flying at me alright number 24 I assume you don't have it no no what's your definition of success for yourself oh that's a good one mm. Um, the definition of, of success for me is to always uh, always be better than what you were before mm-hmm. and always just to keep working I don't want I don't want fame and fortune and, you know, la, 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 la. I don't want to have my name in lights and blah, blah, blah. I want to keep working. And you're only as good as your last gig. So like us doing Panto now, the next gig I then do is a gig in a gay bar. Two separate audiences, two separate whatever. Then I do a gig in February, which is going to be really hopefully beneficial for my life, Mm -hmm. which we can't talk about yet. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I'll probably go back to teaching and doing whatever. But I'm still working. There's still money coming through the door. And once people still want the product that I'm given, that's the definition of success to me. It's not about, oh, I want to work in professional, this, that and the other for the rest of my days. No, because you're not always going to do that because this business is so cutthroat and it's so shite that there is somebody behind you who is about to do a better job than you and will give a better product than you are. So it's about being a step ahead of yourself to try and continue your success as is. My biggest thing is you're only as good as your last gig and that's what you have to remember mm-hmm. that's how you move on from that so like you don't see yeah because that's a weird i've never thought about that like because i mean for people like so you're a dancer you do mm-hmm. drag they'd be your two predominant things am i dancer drag performer but like that any if you have the check i have the talent yeah that's the exact way i put it during the year i worked for a very successful events company um event management company where i was heading some huge events for some huge companies and I excelled really well at that and I had gone to college and ended up dropping out for event management ended up that I got a job at one of the best companies in Ireland because I knew the owner Mm. and I now bypassed all that college work and ended up working for them and they've already booked me for stuff in the new year 
And so that's, like I say, check. If you've got the check, I've got the talent. I will do whatever it, 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 I will do whatever necessary to keep myself working, to keep myself relevant and to keep my brand and name out there. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think the definition of success is. We talked about it really briefly in the dressing room, but like, and I, I'm not, like, I was going to say, I'm not going to try to like make you do something you'd never let me make you do anything. <laughs> you would be so very, 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 very good at stand-up comedy. I know you don't think you would. You would be, as in Paul, anyone who's listening to this episode, would you please just tweet Paul after? You are, like, you are so funny and you have a really good perspective. You're not just like gas. You're actually like thoughtful and funny. I, I when I'm on stage, I, I love I love emceeing events and I love emceeing events for like corporate stuff because they're an easy crowd to make laugh sometimes because you can reference the gay life because you can reference a lot of other things it is easy to make people laugh but the idea of me getting up there and and having to stand up in front of a lot of people to make them laugh would actually frighten me the most in life because mm-hmm. it, it's enough between I'm a singer I sing live and drag so I, I don't I do certain lip syncs things if, it, if it's needed I don't wear the wig I don't wear the tits I keep my own name I'm very androgynous or you know boy drag whatever they might call it in between numbers when I have to talk to an audience I panic and if they don't receive me on my first say sentence that I've given them I go oh just get through this as quickly as possible so the thoughts of being on stage in a stand up comedy side of things frightens me so bad I would rather be funny to you and to the five of the guys who are in our dressing room and leave it at that yeah and if I can portray that in certain ways absolutely but like I was talking to you the other day myself and other drag queens bantering back and forth we can make people laugh Mm. and we can have that but what other comedians do I put my hand up and go fair play to you because I I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. But is it that like? Because I believe, I believe you could do it, right? Right. But like, so is it that like you, you like you have no interest in it? Because if it's only like, like just to just to like call you on it, like if it's only the the fear thing that's getting like, because anyone who's standing for the first time, if you're not afraid of doing it, like you're a psychopath. So like, it, it would one hundred percent be scary, and it's probably scary like most times you do it. But like, if that was the only thing in the way, I feel like that's something that you would call yourself on and be like, well, that's the exact reason I should do it. I think I, I think if I put my mind to it, and I know like comedians don't just get up there and they don't just talk on a whim. They plan things out and they plan what they need to say and they have everything. I think if I was to sit down and try and write some stuff, mm-hmm. maybe, but it's never been, it's never actually been a, a thing that I've had to do. Yeah. I'm always called upon to MC an event. I'm always called on to perform or I'm always called on to, to sing a few songs and off I go. Yeah. And in the middle have a few chats. And I do get other work because I entertain a crowd and I can hold a crowd. And I'm I'm proud of that, that I can hold a crowd on a microphone, which is a very, very hard thing to do. I think people think that you can just get up and we'll have the banter and have the laugh. It's not, especially an LGBT audience, they are waiting for you to mess up. They're waiting for you not to be funny so that they can roll their eyes and and move on to the next person. Mm. So I think that you never know, 2018, if I was to put my mind to it, because you're the one who's put it into my brain. Yeah. You said it to me last week. You were like, you should do stand-up comedy. I think it will be gas. And I've been thinking about it since, but the fear of it still drives me to be like, nah. Yeah, like I get it because if it's the fear, then I'm like, no, that's exactly where you have to do it. But if it's the because like I've done stand up and I like it and like I I actually think I'm somewhat good at it. Like, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't have the. It's like all the, like as you said, like in this industry, or whatever. Like it's so it is. It's hard. Like there's just there's a lot of there's a lot of people and inevitably then there's like you know whatever. What I'm trying to say is like there's only so much suffering I'm willing to like. 
there's certain things that I'm willing to suffer for. Like I'm willing to suffer for like you know shit auditions, shit acting jobs, whatever. I'm willing to suffer through like writing all night. Even I'm willing to do it for all that, but I'm not really willing to do it for stand up, which is what I had to realize about it. Yeah, I think I think I would be most afraid of of the punchline situation. Right. Like I would be so afraid of because I have anecdotes as me and you have discussed in that dressing room over the last couple of weeks that we've talked stories and you'd be like, what? Like that actually happened, and I'd be like, yeah, they're the sort of anecdotes that I would tell. I would just be afraid of punchlines and mm. kind of go okay when do people laugh because Tom's been shocked by this story but, and he's laughed about it but I would be afraid that in front of a room full of people that's not going to happen so I think that's the fear it's not the fear of telling the story because I guarantee you I can entertain you with the story but it's then moving on segueing into the next thing or being like right well I've just told you about that how do we move into this but I think that's a real production side of things and mm-hmm. I would be I'm I'm so meticulous and I'm OCD when it comes to what I produce and what I put out there and what I put on stage and stuff like that. And I find it's a good trait because I don't just let any old shit go on. I'll always make sure that it's the best shit. Um, And I think producing something that I've never done is what scares me. But is it an idea that I wouldn't mind toying with with what I've got coming up in the next year and being able to see if if it works, see if it doesn't work, see the audience? Because that's what I find so brave about comedians is that you're walking into a room where you don't know what that crowd is. Whereas I've gigged every place that I can gig in Ireland. And I know, okay, well, I'm in Cork. I'm in Chambers Bar. I know what I can talk about. I know what I can't talk about. And I know what they're going to like. Whereas when you're a comedian and you're just booked for a gig to do this, a lot of the time they're a totally new audience and a totally new crowd. So you really don't know what's going to work. Mm. So that's where I think the fear comes from of being like, oh, are they going to hate me? Look at me. Are they going to hate me? Are they going to like, um, really not, not get in there with me? Do you know that sort of way? Yeah, yeah. That's what frightens me. Yeah. Something to think about, though. Yes. Yeah, all right. All right, here we go. Number 32. Do you have it? No. All right, number 32. Question is, tell us about someone who you greatly admire. Oh. Um, I think there's, there's, there's loads. Like, there's been pe- different people over the years. There's been always somebody... There's always been somebody new who I would kind of aspire to. Brian Dowling would be one. I always aspired to his career when he was hosting Big Brother and, you know, his business sense put me in a lot of business sense. But I'm I'm really kind of inspired by everybody around me. Like everyone, I know that again I'm being preachy, but everyone gives you something to think about in life. Mm. Like your career on the lead up to say doing Panto when we were talking mm. and we were doing dealings and all that sort of stuff and you were like God I'm going from this rehearsal to this show da, da, da. Mm. that inspires me to go God he works hard. I love that. Mm. Then you've got the likes of our bosses currently Alan Hughes and Carl Broderick who've been there for me since I was 16 years of age. Again the first person in the hospital when my father passed was Alan Hughes. Mm. They inspired me in a way that they've brought me as a dancer into working backstage, into working as choreographer and now working as creative director for their company. And they've inspired me so much along the way up to do the right thing, to to find those moves. But I'm inspired by kind of everybody, everyone around me, friends, family, you know, fellow drag queens that I work with. You take inspiration from absolutely everything. I don't think you can just kind of say your aspirations and your inspirations should just come from one person mm. because that person's not perfect. Nobody's perfect. Whereas if you broaden it and go, I'll take a bit of everything, a bit of everyone, and add it into my own life, that's going to give you so much more spec and so much more, so much 
I don't know, just a much wider scale of what you want to be in life. Right, so let's play that game where you take all those specs, right, and then, like, completely, like, unfiltered answer as, like, to if you, you know, like, that thought that you have that you're like, oh, that's the one, like, I can't say out loud, but that's the thing I really want. Like, the thing I really, really want, the thing that might even feel, like, in any way, like, possible, might even feel, like, unrealistic. Like, what's that thing for you that you want for your life? Oh, I'm not going to say, I'd love to say something like happiness or, you know, all that sort of stuff. Are you talking about like... I think I'm talking like, yeah, more like a gig or... Yeah. Okay, so I'll be honest. A, a career in TV, radio, entertainment would be, is what I want. Mm. It's And that's this is the first time I've ever said this. I've said it to my friends and they know it and they know what I want from life and da 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 and they always think, oh, you want to be famous. And I'm like, no, 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 I want to work hard. And I have such an interest in, I worked backstage, I worked in production and stuff for several TV shows, for RTE, for TV3, little bits and bobs that I kind of put my hand to. As I said to you the other day, I used to do a small little segment on spin. Yeah. Um, and I am so intrigued by what goes into that, how that builds up, not just the in front of the camera or in front of the mic, but all the stuff behind it. And I have such... I have such an interest in that that if I had to start from the very, very bottom and work my way to front of camera, I would love that because, again, it's a whole other goal. I've done so much with my drag life and my dance career and all that sort of stuff that if you hit me and said, right, I want you to start here and we'll see what we can do over the next couple of years, I would live for that. Mm. And I'm 30 and I should be totally afraid of that concept. Totally not. I will keep working until I'm at the top of my game, until I can do the best I possibly can. But the career in... All aspects of entertainment, dance, drag, television, radio, whatever you've got for me. Like I say, if you have the check, I have the talent and I'll put my absolute brain towards it. What about, have you ever thought about, I don't know, is this a thing? Is there any drag podcast in Ireland? Panty Bliss, who is obviously the queen of Ireland. Yeah. She was doing a podcast with RTE there for a while. Um, I think it was RTE. And she had different guests on and stuff like that. So I think she's had that covered. But a one-to-one... Like Paul, there's a massive. There was somebody who was uh, from the from the north, uh, a queen called Tanya Body, who had kind of been interviewing all the other drag queens around the country. So she's kind of covered that a little bit this year, right? But her questions were very open and very kind of like thing. I have always wanted to do. Funny enough, you should say that. Yeah. I've always wanted to do a sit down one to one, and not ask the queen the same questions. Like I mean, full out interview, like research them find out things you, you know go into the deep dark bits that, that they didn't get to talk about because other people have done stuff like this but it's always been like when did you start drag what do you love most about drag right what did it whereas I would love to research that person research that queen and say okay well look back in 2012 you suffered blah, 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 you know what made you th that side of it the real but not just with drag queens I would love to do that as a drag queen with say my friends you know who work in this industry you're Alan Hughes you're Brian you're all those different people I'd love to sit them down and go right have this one to one with me and, and let's see how it goes but like you're just you're like this is possibly the best podcast I've done like this one now so you're built for this do you know what I mean yeah. like I'm, I'm just saying like as in all these things you're saying like it's and it's not sorry I, I'm not trying to I, the last person needs to tell you anything to do with your career you have an unbelievable career but what I'm saying is like you'd be so good for something like this and like I think the way that it's all going now I don't know what your feelings on it are but like even say when someone like Alan would have started like it's so different now because like now we have a facility like this where like we're literally just gonna sit down and put this out into the world and you know like there'll be like a few thousand people will listen to it or whatever mm. and but like that like can 
you know that can, can blow build. up and you can do it yourself like yeah. this is free what we're doing now is free yeah. do you know what I mean like you could literally do that I just think you're so good like you should be just putting so much of yourself out there I think that I've 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 always worked and it, one of my New Year's resolutions this year was to try new things and I meant try new things I didn't mean like you know eat sushi or something like that I meant like <laughs> try new things like the stand-up comedy like the go into different different aspects of, of like this. Like vagina? Not, thank you very much. I think I'll stick with my penis um, <laughs> and my love of. Um, but trying new things like that, like, and it is when you say it to me or other people who are creative and other people who are artistic and kind of say, no, no, you, you should do that because for so many years, I shut down and I wouldn't, I wouldn't go into those, into those aspects of life because I was too afraid. I was too nervous. I was like, you're not good enough. You're not this, this and this. And like I say, only since my breakup in June, have I actually gone, screw this. I can do whatever I set my mind to. And if I fuck up, if I fail, grand, we move on. It's not going to, it's going to be a failure for me. It's not going to be a failure for the rest of the world. Mm. So hearing those things to say, you can do that, you can do that, makes me go, do you know what, actually, I absolutely can and maybe it is time that I stepped out and went right I am waiting for the rest of the year to see how things pan out and stuff because I, I'm hoping for an exciting year 2018 seems quite promising for, for so far and the gigs are coming in thick and fast mm-hmm. for prides all over the country and all that sort of stuff so I want to use as much of as much of those platforms as I can to meet the right people and to make the, the new contacts and to, to build what I could build into a really really good fucking year but do you know what the thing is like it's that it's that because I, I like it's real obvious with you that like you work so hard but like uh, pa- the, the only thing I'd wonder and look I don't know I'm just literally playing like devil's advocate Go for it. that like is you do work so hard and you are so good that I would just like you should be all, like almost all of the things that you should be doing should be don't get me wrong like the fact that you're a creative um, artistic director of like Anthem and whatever like that's that's dead and like that's so valuable and like you should never not do that but at the same time it's like then like something that's if there's something less valuable than like say that or like those things in your life well then take that time and then start putting that all that hard work like back into yourself and into mm. your own thing just because like like it's just because I don't know because you're like yeah just like you are enough do you, do, do you, know, but do you know what I mean no, I that know. like when you're putting your own work into other people's stuff and like because you're someone who just gives a lot to things you're elevating their stuff whereas if like and that's so useful but when you can do that for your own you're so right and my friends my friends give out to me so much they're always like when are you going to do something for you when is when is it your time and da 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 and like we say, there's something coming up that is just me mm-hmm. and it is me putting my own energy into the world. And from that, I'm very excited to see what I can build from that. And I already have a few plans in place to go, right, after that, let's do this, this and this and let's try and build on that side of the world. Mm-hmm. So I think that for the first time ever, and I would always do the old Irish thing of going, oh yeah, well, we'll see what happens. Yeah. But for the first time in my life, I'm actually going, no, do you know what? You're dead right. Give me to the end of this year to see if I can put all that into play. I am enough and I'm ready to put my brand. Because you're right. And there has been times, and not to be, to make myself sound big, but there has been times where I go, when is it my turn? When is it my turn to step away from somebody else, to step from behind somebody else and put myself as the front runner Mm. and go, right. And there is a show that I do. It's called The Ringmaster's Drag Race and it's running for eight years and it's very, very popular. We've had queens from all over the world. We've had, you know, so many different people attach it and it has a good name. And I enjoy doing that because that's all me, all me. And I love the feeling that I get from that. 
but now I want more. Mm -hmm. Now I'm ready for more and I'm ready to work harder than I've ever worked to try and get what I want from life. Can I do one other devil's advocate? Okay. I never do this. It's just because I, I feel comfortable to do it, right? Okay. So this is comfortable. But like, like when is it my turn and stuff like that? It's like even, and, and I know the thing coming up is like 100% legitimately exciting. And But like, it's that other thing of like, I don't know even like, I don't even know is like when is it my turn a useful question I think it's more it's probably more useful for me anyway this is how I operate it's like okay I'm never gonna have a turn so if I even and even though I know there's something coming up for you in the next few months it's gonna it's gonna be a turn like or mm. it's gonna feel like a turn but like I think it's more interesting or more useful to like then even act like that's not there now so then I right, then even those things that like you're like well I could wait like for the year give it the end of the year and then I'll have a better platform to do it but if you're already doing, doing it now it. then the platform will just take it and lift it anyway yeah do you know what I mean yeah so it's like just what like just why wait I suppose I'm I suppose I'm I'm always stressed about time and I'm always stressed about doing it and I'm always stressed about investing and you know like I'm not loaded I don't have millions in the bank I work hard like you do you know you go from check to check and you work from gig to gig mm -hmm. um, so I'm always afraid of that but I think sometimes I'm just afraid Yeah. I think really and I know it's wrong to say when is it my turn because like you say your turn is every single day and it's what you make of it mm -hmm. Um. so yeah that's kind of made me think to kind of go he's dead right why not just start now and see where the hell it can go and what it can build up to by the time the end of the year or the middle of the year or you know if I start this stuff now and a platform comes about to raise that even better do you know what I mean even better I, yeah. I don't know I, I just yeah no it's, it is it's, it's, so, it's such a good way to think and sometimes I'm very clever in ways when it's me talking to somebody else mm. but when it comes to me I am shite yeah. someone needs to say to me no Listen, sit down, sister, and let's have a good chat. About yeah, this, yeah. And we'll talk about this properly. Do you know that sort of way? That's my favorite thing that I've learned in the dressing room. Is I like, knew you were going to talk about this. It's just, <laughs> it's just referring to everyone as she. <laughs> I love it. I think, I think that comes from myself and my drag sisters. Where I'm part of a group called Dragged Up, yeah. which is myself, Victoria's Secret, Pixie Woo, and Regina George. We've been friends for years. We've been working together for years. We kill each other at times. Then we're the best of friends. Um. But like that, we have our WhatsApp group and we'd be like, oh, see what she did last night? <laughs> and we'd be like, oh, who? Oh, your man. And we'd have that conversation. But even now, it'd be like, you'd be at a bar going, oh, look at her, look at her. Some sexy fella across the bar. Always do it. So much so that like even the techies and different people we work with go, are, are we are we talking about a fella or a girl? And I go, oh, for God's sake, you big straight bastard. We're talking about a fella. Yeah. <laughs> but they get so confused. But there is so many phrases and so many like slang terms that I'm kind of teaching you and teaching the other guys in the dressing room and even some of the gay guys don't even realise they're like what does that mean now and I'm like okay it's fine Yeah, I'll buy you an urban dictionary you can read them all together <laughs> uh, okay number 10 do you have it? no alright fuck you're doing awful I'm really doing so bad but we're having so much fun yes number 10 do you have a favourite quote? Um, you definitely do I do and I've, I've kind of already said it mm. um, get in get out say please and say thank you yeah. especially at the start of your career and people who know me for years will laugh going oh here she is with that old phrase again but it's something I coined myself it's something I work with so many different drag queens and I've been fortunate enough to work with so many up and coming drag queens who always ask you for advice will always say what's the best thing about drag what do you want to get into da 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 and it is my it is my go to phrase. Get in, get out, say please, say thank you. If you're on a if you're on a job, and I think this works for everything, whether you're doing a six week run of panto, whether you're doing whatever, there's people who've been there way before you, who have been 
doing this they've slogged along probably harder than you have at times probably less harder than you at times but they've still been doing it longer so when you're coming up in the world it's always best to just get in do your job get out say your pleases and say your thank yous I still live by that there's gigs that I do when I walk into a room but I walk into any sort of gig and even if even if it's back arse of Bally go backwards or it's in the three arena you'll always be nice to people you'll always say your pleases and thank yous because I might not be the most talented bitch in the world, but I will leave you with a really good, a really good opinion of me so that if if, if, a, if an opportunity comes up again and you think, actually, that fella Paul Ryder was really nice and did a good old job. Let's get him back in again. Mm. And that's, again, back to the positivity thing. That's us passing out positivity to then pass that on to other people. So I think just getting in and doing your job is, is the best way forward. Because you're someone who casts people and like cast people in like panto obviously and like that's a real specific thing because well first of all you're casting like someone who can do the job but like we kind of talked about this briefly but almost equally you're casting someone who you know because you're going to be in the dressing room with them because you're working with them so like how important like do you find that as like the value of okay obviously like where what's the like ratio of importance when it comes to like talent versus like um do you know what i mean just general general nice nice like being a prick it's such a huge thing, especially when it comes to anthem and casting for for Panto for us. Um, we sit on that panel, and I I do like obviously sixty seventy percent of that is talent, mm-hmm. because we want the best show and we want the the, the best for for the show because we think it deserves it. Mm. But thirty percent of that is me asking people questions or when I'm meeting them before the auditions and just kind of getting a sense and even somebody in this industry we work in such a small industry that all I have to do is send one text to one person and say do you know so and so and so and so what are they like will they get on with us because we're such a family in Anthem yeah. we've a lot of us the techies the, some of the production crew we've all been working there for, for over like 10 years or over and we know that that's such a small community it's such a small little area that if, you're, if we have one wrong turn with somebody none of us are going to enjoy the run we're not going to have a good time and that will then show on stage mm-hmm. so many people come to see our show and say you look like you're having the time of your life and I go we are because we all get on we all have a laugh we're all backstage having the banter mm. and that's so important because that then transfers out so I think that when we're kind of casting I will always maybe vet check somebody or I'll ring somebody who might know that person or they'll have been on a gig with somebody that I know and say, come here, what was she like? Was she all right in that dressing room? Yeah. Meaning, meaning him. Of course. Um, and they'll either say yes or no. And that won't always be the defining figure. I'll always go back and say, right, I've heard back that this person isn't the best or da 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 and the lads will really kind of think about it. And a lot of the time the lads will listen to the judgment and say, no, listen, if that's what, if that's what somebody else is saying, well, then it's more than likely true. Mm. But it's even, you could have the nicest person in the world and they we all have our bad days. We've all had our bad days in this run mm-hmm. where you'll just come in, all you'll want to do is sit there, not talk and whatever. Once it doesn't transfer that it's affecting everybody else and there's been so many times over the last couple of years where a dancer might come in and they might be in a stormer and that'll start to affect anybody else. I'm the first person to sit you down and go, bitch, listen, mm-hmm. your attitude is now affecting the six of the people who are in this room and that's affecting us on stage and it's affecting the whole dynamic. So if you want to be like that, go sit in a corridor for the next two hours. But if you're willing to just drop it and forget about it, we can move on then. And 90% of the time, they'll go, oh yeah, you're kind of right. Like Mm -hmm. I'm giving out about something stupid. Let's just move on. And 
it just it works it works so well and I think we we do a good job of it yeah 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 no it's good it's just it's it's interesting like when you're it's interesting for you like as a performer and as well to be on the other side do you know what I mean mm. of that as well it was just yeah it was just a it's it's weird for me it's weird for me from a casting into a rehearsal point of view I always say that I never make friends with the cast until the second day of the show because I'm never with the cast. I'm always in the run-up to everything. I'm jumping on for a dance routine. Then I'm watching something else. I'm dealing with something else. Da, 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 da. And I almost kind of like that, that I don't have a relationship with the cast until the show is settled and until everything is kind of set up. Mm-hmm. And then the moment I get in there and I start opening my filthy mouth and everyone goes, you've been so quiet for the last two weeks and now you're literally sitting here talking about pink socks. What is going on? And I go, ha, ah, plot twist, bitch. Let's let's have some real fun now for the rest of this, this Christmas. Yeah, but it's real nice. Like, I, I like, there's something real. I, I maybe, I, I was going to say something dramatic. Like, I don't trust someone who's not like that. But I, what I think I really mean is I'm similar to that. Yeah. Is that, like, I have, like, I have a... Like I can I can sit here with you and say your dad died because of pigeons. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But at the same time, like I could sit with your mom and like have a lovely like chat with her. Do you know what I mean? And like you know, like and if she wanted to like talk about like all her wonderful memories or yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, I really yeah. don't get people who are like um who are someone who like can't adjust themselves to yeah. like a, like a a room or a scenario or. I think you ha- especially in this industry, you have to adjust to whatever your surroundings. And if you can't, if you're if you're stuck in the one, if you're stuck in the one hole, you're not gonna you're not gonna make friends. You're not gonna continue your life in successful ways because you have to adapt to whatever is around you. Like you're in the Tivoli now for for the rest of Christmas. You will then go off and you could end up in the Olympia for three months, mm-hmm. and that's going to be a totally different dynamic. And you, as a performer, as an artist, know how to adapt yourself into that and kind of go okay Graham well it's not as much fun as this was but we still have to get it done Mm -hmm. and I think that's that is the way forward to kind of know what you're dealing with and and assess your surroundings from the moment you walk in you kind of go okay who who's that don't try and be the loudest one in the room Mm -hmm. I always kind of put that always assess what's going on and if somebody asks you a question answer it and and gauge from there and gauge right okay who can you who can you laugh with who can you kind of and I just said who can you trust sometimes Mm -hmm. yeah because it is such a cutthroat business that you do never know who's out to get your gig and who's out to come come from underneath you. Do you know? Yeah, one hundred percent. So I kind of think gauge everything. Yeah. Sit back, watch, but most of all, get in, get out, say please, and say thank you. Yeah, I love it. All right, here we go. Two came out right. Uh, number fifteen. Do you have it? No. Okay, number fifteen. I'm just I'm just glad I'm safe that you can't ask me. I know I'm raging because it was definitely going to be about my dick. Per- no, well, <laughs> that's a lie. I always think it will be actually not. It's not just. Cause I think every time I say your name, you think I'm going to ask you a filthy question. Yeah. But I've actually asked you. I have quotas of questions, especially for the straight guys in the dressing room. Mm-hmm. I want to know: A, are you single? Mm-hmm. B, are you gay? C, have you ever had a homosexual experience? Mm-hmm. And D, I won't ask you about your penis because I think that's invasive. Okay. I would never be like. Oh, show me your dick or how big is your dick? Because I think that's borderline invasive. Yeah. But we will have the joke and we will have the laugh about that sort of thing. Like if you're talking about girls, they'll be like, eh, and we'll have that moment. I can answer the questions. I am single. What was the second one? I, I'm not gay. You're not gay. Have I ever had a gay experience? I I, I had a, this is, you're like this. I had a, a... You told me no. So is this like a whole exclusive now? No, no. When I was a kid, okay. uh, Monsignor Dutton. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> 
that's bad. That's bad. That's we'll bad. Cut that. Yeah, we'll cut that. <laughs> uh, when, no, when, when, I, when I was a kid, um, I remember one of the first times ever like I, I, I definitely didn't even get an erection like but I remember yeah. when the first time I was like wrestling my best friend on a bed and I remember being like hello right I remember I remember that real clearly and I wrote a, uh, I do these I used to do these nights called uh, like Ranton and Raven was the name of it and it was like it wasn't like spoken word but it was that kind of thing it was solo performance so you get up and you'd like it was something like a mixture between the moth and like it, it was like storytelling but like kind of like artistically you know what I mean yeah. it was um and I did a piece called uh, uh, called The Round Boy because we were about like real little fat kids. And I remember like wrestling being like, what the fuck is going on? And uh, like, yeah. So like that would be, other than that, I've never wanted to, definitely never wanted to kiss a guy. Yeah, we had that discussion and you've never wanted, you've, and like you said earlier, you've never wanted to hold a penis. No interest in a penis. That's so disappointing. No interest in so, a And not even disappointing to a point of like, I don't want you to touch my penis. But I just think it's all, I always get so intrigued by straight guys and you are probably one of very few who hasn't told me, especially who we've worked with, who said, like, I've never thought about, I've never thought about being with a guy or I've never been with a guy. Because I think a good, maybe I'm wrong, a good 70% of guys have either had an experience or wanted an experience and just have never, have never kind of gone through that motion. Yeah. And I would be real open to that. You see, I think that's the thing. That's why I know I, I'm, I'm properly straight. Because I, if I wanted to, I'd be like, Great. Great. And I believe, I kind of believe you in a way because you're so kind of open-minded with everything that you, you talk about or whatever that you just now know as an adult, you go, yeah, it's something that didn't really pass my brain because it was never really with me. Yeah. And I kind of think the same about girls though. I've I've kissed girls and I've I've been intimate yeah. with girls in the past. Um, But... I got to a point in my life where I went, yeah, I'm done with you now. Like, I'm, I'm. That's not what. That's not what I'm here for. I'm going down this road. So yeah. I'll see you soon. Did you ever have sex with a girl? Um, I was intimate. Right. With a girl. Okay. Before. Okay. Uh, years and years and years ago. Um, obviously years and years. It wasn't like yesterday. Yeah. Um, and, but, it was a friend. Yeah. So it was kind of like, it it wasn't. It was like a friendship thing and it yeah. kind of was that sort of way. Whereas I, I never kind of like went out, met a girl, brought her home and, you know, did stuff. Because I know some gay guys who still do that. They're like, I, I can appreciate like, well, maybe that makes them bi though. Does, I don't know. I think it, no, I think that, I don't, I'm not going to say bi and I'm not going to say like the whole, uh, oh, I can't use that word. I'm, I think that explorative is the word and sometimes like that you have you're with guys the whole time sometimes you kind of just think like I know so many guys who watch buy porn or they watch all sorts of different porn because they want they don't, they don't have it so they, they kind of it's what intrigues them mm-hmm. gay guys who love straight porn for some unbeknownst reason I just think it's that explorative side of life to kind of go oh well that's different and I want to kind of see what what that's like mm-hmm. do you find it in like cut yourself going like you know can't say that do you find like this era and like you know 2017 2018 like the political correctness that's in the world how do you find that because you're you're like you know you belong to a community that's like you know um like a minor- minority and like someone that people use like disparaging language about all the yeah. time but yet like i've also heard you talk about the fact that like you know like everyone can like say the wrong thing how careful are you or do you find yourself having to be I'm I'm very careful um, and do you know why I'm most careful whenever I'm talking about stuff I always think about the kids I teach mm. and that if they were to if they were at an age of like 15 where their parents were like oh you know can they listen to that and da 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 because I post all my stuff online if you follow me as a parent of a, of a child who I teach 
you know that I'm a drag queen, you know that I work in a career and it's a bit risque at times and there's, you know, there's the, the, the words that are used, the, the gay, the queer, the fag, all that sort of stuff. So I think I'm careful in that sense and then I'm even more careful about what to talk about and what not to talk about because the last thing I want is to offend somebody or is to make somebody think that they can't do something or that, they sh- that they're wrong in any which way because we all have to be open in life. Um, so yeah, I am very careful about what I say and what I, uh, what I don't say because I don't want to offend and I don't want to rock the boat. I'm not here to be Katie Hopkins to say disparaging remarks about people to try and get attention because I don't want that attention. I want good attention. I want positive attention and that's why I'm careful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's good. That's the best way to com- come at it is like from, yeah, I don't offend. You know? Yeah. Like that's what it's about. Really, What's the it? point? Yeah. Whatever opinion I have in private of somebody else's life, that's my private opinion. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to openly give that to somebody else even if I don't agree I'm just going to say fair play to you you're doing what you want to do and and well done Yeah. and that's in all aspects of life we're not talking about anything here literally talking about open an open conversation yeah sweet we did Roland I just never asked the question yeah. question was what are your memories of 9-11 oh my god it's very wide range isn't it very wide range <laughs> dick a minute ago terrorists now well, What's you, next? you did say dick reminds you of st- like reinforced steel buildings so it's kind of <laughs> <laughs> I was devastated no <laughs> You've knocked down my penis! <laughs> <laughs> no, oh God, we have to cut that. Can't say that. That's awful. That's not bad at all. Okay. Um, I remember being in school and it was my sister's birthday. So I remember... It was like it was like gay Gandalf, which I know Ian McKellen is gay, but it's like yeah. you knocked down my Me penis. with my big staff yeah. being like... Um, you made a Lord of the Rings reference, didn't you? Yeah. That's okay. Just I got that. Got that. Um, it was my sister's birthday. I was in secondary school. I think I would have been in second year or something yeah. like that. And all of a sudden, um, our teacher just stopped the lesson. And it was a case of, okay, we have to turn on the television. And something like that had never happened. Had never happened to in life. So watching it on the telly and watching as the day unfold. Like, so by the time I was in school, one building had been knocked down. And when I got home, there was nobody at home. It was my sister's birthday, so we were kind of planning to go out and stuff like that. And then as I got home, I remember turning on the telly and the second building had just collapsed. And I think I was so young that I you don't really think about that sort of stuff. Like, maybe I'm wrong, but because it happened so far away, I always remember thinking, oh, God, like, that's really sad and that's awful and stuff like that. But it never it never double-crossed my mind. Mm. And But nowadays, if that happened now, I think I'd I think I'd be relatively devastated. Any sort of terrorist attack that has happened over the last kind of couple of years, especially the Paris attacks, mm. when it, that happened in the October, I think it was, and I was flying to Paris in the February with my my ex partner. Um, and I remember everyone ringing me, going like, "You you can't go, you can't go," and I'm like, "We're going, like we're we're, we're not going to stop going." But I remember as the toll rises, I remember thinking, "That could be us." This could be us and this is terrifying. And every time something's happened and it's gotten closer and closer and closer to Ireland, you know, London and and all that sort of stuff. It, and Manchester, it's, it's terrifying now. And I think if something like New York on that scale where it wasn't just, not that it's just, but it wasn't somebody walking into a room and shooting a lot of people, that was two landmark buildings that collapsed to the floor and killed so many people. Yeah. And then you look at the Paris attacks and the Manchester attacks where you kind of go, that was just people out for a, a night out. And I'm very wary now because when things go quiet, you always have to 
think and go, oh God, what's next? Like, what can what can pop up next? Mm. And because there's been nothing, and I know that security is so so tight and so reinforced now, and that everyone is so careful and that all that stuff, but you still kind of go, what's what's going to happen next? Where is it going to? What's going to strike next? Yeah, and that freaks the life out of me. Yeah, because it, they, these weren't people who were in a war zone or in wherever. Somebody was at an Ariana Grande concert, mm-hmm. and next of all, a madman came in and. and blew the whole place up yeah like that's that's mental yeah it's so different because yeah as you said like as in like that's so uniconic you know like at, like a nail bomb at a concert whereas like flying you know a plane playing into the tallest buildings in the world that's iconic yeah you know what I mean so it's, it's so that's so true it's such a different like it's completely different angle on it it's, it's a different part of your brain really that comprehends yeah. it you know what I mean I just think I just think you never know what's around the corner with stuff like this and I'm always because nothing's nothing's come up in the last kind of couple of months you always go oh god like you can feel it in the pit of your stomach going what's next is, yeah. something, gonna, is something going to appear are you going to then get a phone call to say I've got friends in London so whenever something happens in London the first thing we all do is message into the group being like can you just confirm you're alright just let us know and you know they, thankfully touch wood they've always written back saying yeah we're grand we're nowhere near mm-hmm. or like my friend was near the the Westminster, the bridge, he was near there and he ended up having to bolt bolt out and kind of run away for however many miles to, to kind of make sure he was out of the system, out of the out of the area. Yeah. But for ages we couldn't get in touch with him. And yeah. we were panicked. You panic. Of course. So you just don't know what's what's around the corner. Yeah. So I think back in the day, the nine eleven thing, you were sad about it and you watched all the theories and you watched all the thing. Then in the, in my life now it's a lot more real and it's a lot more like Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. You have to be so careful. I, I gigged at all the pride events and stuff over the, over the over the summer, and your bags are always checked. There's no bags allowed for this. There's no bags allowed for that. And years ago, you'd bring suitcases in. You'd do whatever. Now we're told bring your bare minimal. Bring what you have to bring. We'll have to check it. Even though you're a performer, we'll have to check it upon arrival, just to make sure that that everything's safe. Yeah. But that's what's needed. Yeah. That's what's needed. You can check my inner cavity of my bloody gums and my anus and I will let you because if that's what's going to make this, this situation safe for me, then do it. Yeah. Sweet. Right. We've time for one more. Yeah. Let's give it a roll. Sorry, come out. So we have... Whoa. One two came out. Anyway, fuck it. Number 16. I didn't get one number. Do you not have it? I didn't get one number on this game of bingo. Well, I'm so happy. Two came out. I'll try to do 18. No. <laughs> The numbers are not my friend today. <laughs> All right, I'll uh, I'll ask you. I'll give you the pick of uh, okay. the questions. Do you remember your first kiss, or how did you find out the truth about Santa? <laughs> or both? let's go with kiss. I think there's more spec because Santa will just end up. The, you know, the, the won't happen. Um, <laughs> my first kiss was with a girl, surprisingly. Mm. Um, and for one summer when I was a kid, I was such a good kid. Like I was the blonde, blonde, blue-eyed, blue-eyed little boy who mm. didn't do it and played with his Power Rangers and his Barbies and everything. And there was one summer where I became a little rebel. I started wearing tracksuits and started hanging out in the fields and stuff like that. And with all the, with all the cool kids of, of Tala. And I thought my life had like exploded. I was delighted with my life. And I never kissed a girl. I was so conscious because I'd never kissed somebody. And I was friends with all the girls on my road and they introduced me to all the lads and introduced me to more girls. And there was one day, it was one of the girls' parties. What was her name? I wanted to say it was something like Serena. It was something real like, Serena! Yeah. And I remember they, they one of the girls knew that I'd never kissed so we played Spin the Bottle. And it was my friend Karen. She lives like a couple of doors down from me. Uh, and she had Spin the Bottle and it landed on me and Serena. Now, Serena was... Ser- Serena wasn't the most popular girl 
in in the group. Maybe be- I don't know why. I don't know why. Okay. She was not the most popular girl in the group, right? Um, I wish there was a camera on you right now. <laughs> uh, Serena hadn't kissed many boys, right? Okay. And that was that was it. So anyway, they said, right, you have to go into the kitchen now and you have to kiss Serena. But there was already two people in the kitchen kissing because they'd sent those in because it was a whole like, like, you know, 15, 14 year olds party where you had to go kiss everyone in different rooms. So I brought... Serena in <laughs> and uh, she randomly like I was small and she was she was a, a, a big enough child tall and you know she was broad <laughs> I'm totally going to get you to cut this <laughs> <laughs> Serena is I'm sure is doing just fine right Serena around. is I, I've never met her again since um, but Serena in the most manly way possible I think this is where my homosexuality sexuality stands from Serena was like come on in here Took me into the kitchen, sat up on the kitchen counter. Like, I mean, like, put both hands up and hopped up on the counter and, like, grabbed my little head and, like, forced me into her mouth. But I remember I remember just thinking to myself, is this how this is? Like, this girl is trying to eat my face. Like, she full on was trying to eat my head at one point. Like, her, her, her tongue was in my nose. And I remember kind of finishing half delighted that I'd kissed a girl. And then the other half being like, I hope that's not what it's like, like for the rest of my days. Yeah. But that turned me into a little man whore. The following, the following like couple of weeks, I ended up going to Cork and my friends, my, my, my auntie kind of said to my, my cousin, I'll bring Paul to a disco. I played this game, you probably played it, Beat the Slough, mm. where I didn't know this existed. Yeah, I kissed 16 girls in one night. Like there was a queue behind me at one point. It was like I was doing a fucking meet and greet. Like I literally <laughs> had to like kiss all these people. And I thought it was the, I kissed so many girls that night and I thought it was the best thing in the world. Yeah. Then I started kissing boys and that's when I was like, oh, that's why, that's, that's when you now. It's working. Na- that's when it's working. What was, so what was your first boy kiss? My first boy kiss, his name was Mark. I was, I was just 17. Mm. And it was in the front lounge on Parliament Street, which is now uh, like another that's another name now. Um, and we'd been texting on a thing called Face Party, which was before Facebook. It mm. was before all this other stuff. And um, he took me on a date. He was older than me. He was 19. Took me on a date. We went into town. We went walking through the streets and had coffee and da da da. And he took me into the front lounge. We ordered two cokes. We were in a bar, but thought like was gas. So I ordered two cokes and. It was like daytime. And I remember it like, it was such a phenomenal experience because I remember thinking he's very attractive and, you know, having a good time and da, da, da. But I always remember being so nervous because I was about to kiss a boy for the first time and I'd never, I'd never done it and like it. And yeah, just like that, he just leaned in and we start kissing. And it's so cliche. It's like a Lindsay Lohan movie where like my whole body just went, <gasps> okay, now you're home. Wow. This is what it is. This is what it's like to be with somebody and to have that affection from a guy like girls are great and you know I know as a, as a straight man you like the affection of a girl but to have that affection from a guy that you've been yearning for for your whole nearly your whole life because it's what I've always kind of attracted to that was amazing and we dated we dated for like a couple of months mm. and yeah it was it was kids like it was two kids dating yeah. but it turns you, it, it really kind of makes you kind of go, oh God, that's what the future's about and that's what my life is now is and I've been in several relationships since that and everything's been so different but 
you never forget your first kiss and you never forget your first love. Mm. And I think that that always sticks by you. And I learned, you learn so much from every relationship and I've learned so much from my last relationship. And before that, I wasn't in one for like two or three years because I was just living for myself. Um, but each one I remember thinking, God, am I ever going to fall in love again? And I've actually been devastated. When you fall, when you break up with somebody, I've always been kind of like, I'm never going to have that again and that's never going to come into my life. And then I've fallen in love again and gone, oh my God, I'm in love again and this is such a different thing. Mm. And I think if you can accept that and go, you know, I'm never going to have your love again, but I will have something totally different that's going to make me grow completely different as a person. That's what, that's what I live for. And I live for the lesson and I live for what I'm going to get out of it. Yeah. That came from a first kiss talk. I don't know where that's come from. That's the perfect... <laughs> Man, this is the perfect episode. This has been... <laughs> come here, do me a favour. Will you tell everyone about just the social media bits, any bits that you want to plug coming up in the new year, all that stuff? Absolutely. Um, so all my all my handles are at RuPaul Ryder, um, or U-P-A-U-L or Y-D-E-R. That's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, my Snapchat as well. Add me there. Send dick pics. No, I'm only messing don't. <laughs> um, and then other gigs, God, Dragged Up in the George, January 26th. Um, we've so much coming on. Dragged Up net is the website to find out all that stuff and then keep up to date with my own social media because I, I plan on making this my year and, and keep an eye sweet man that was deadly Paul Ryder thanks so much for doing thank it thank you very much Whoa. so guys that was Paul Ryder playing personality bingo with Tom Warren Paul a massive thank you for taking the time to do it mate we've spent so much time together in dressing rooms over the last while so if you, it sounds like we have a shorthand if it sounds like we're saying some inappropriate things in that episode it's because we are because we've been hanging out in such close quarters and we know each other really well and uh, I love Paul to bits I think he's an amazing person and someone that I really admire someone that's very hard working and uh, yeah very special he's um, a really really special dude as I'm sure you've heard in this episode um, guys as I said in other news uh, I'm going to have some news to announce in the coming weeks I am just waiting on a few bits and pieces to be finalised and I don't want to spill the beans on anything too quickly um, but do stay tuned and please come back next week because uh, I did the podcast it, it's very strange um, but I also think it was good I felt weird about putting out one that I did because I don't want it to look like just a fucking big narcissistic nonsensical thing but I think if you're being honest with yourself if you host a podcast and people come back and listen to it like they're listening absolutely for the guests but like they're also listening for you and I think that's something that like uh, one of our past guests in the podcast Charlotte Regan was able to kind of help me come to terms with because it's kind of um it's just a weird thing I'm just afraid of coming off as being like fucking narcissistic about it um, but you know what it was just it, um, it was kind of just I guess my way of uh, I, I, and as well I wanted to do it the podcast looks fun to me I, there are questions that I'd like to be asked uh, so I literally made that happen and the wonderful Taz Keller our amazing producer did the asking uh, and that episode will be out next week for our number 50 which is incredible it's actually a really big achievement um, and I'm very proud of that and I'm very proud of Taz and Alan and Paddy and everyone I had stuff for like helping us get here and just uh, we've had an episode out every single week um, on time it's been uh, kind of amazing it's a real achievement on our part um, and this feels like an appropriate time to just pat ourselves on the back for a brief moment before we get back to getting loads more brilliant episodes for you guys uh, on that same note thank you to Taz Kelleher our wonderful boss woman for mixing editing and producing the podcast also check out her wonderful podcast In the Shower with Taz and Marcus also please give 
a big warm round of applause. I don't care where you are. I don't care if you're driving. Take your hands off the wheel and give a big round of applause for our wonderful music, um, which was created by the wonderful Liam Moore and Anthony Manley. Can I say wonderful anymore in this episode? I will certainly try. Uh, they are from the More Than Machines band, who are wonderful. And uh, you should also check them out on Spotify and iTunes and all them things. Come and check them out at a venue near you soon uh, also a huge thank you to Connor Nolan for our deadly artwork I'm very very fond of our artwork it's kind of gorgeous uh, and we have um, a wonderful uh, set of badges here at Headstuff HQ so if you are someone who uh, wants a badge and you see me around the place I always carry a few on my person so uh, make sure to ask me and I'll give you a badge uh, and you can stick it on your bag on your coat on your nipple wherever you want uh, also a massive thank you to Alan Paddy and all the people at Headstuff as I said there's kind of um so many wonderful people behind the scenes whether that be the other podcasters um, interns here but um, Alan and Paddy do kind of steer the ship um, and uh, they have just been very kind to me um, and I love collaborating with them and I'm very grateful so thank you guys lads thank you Paul Ryder I hope you enjoyed that episode let me know if you do let him know if you did and also encourage him to start his own podcast because I think that would be great please tune back in next week when Tom Moran plays with himself This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network.